It's Friday, and you're listening to TGIF, the podcast that brings you all the hilarious conversations about your favorite or not-so-favorite horror movies. I am your host, Kat, and this week I am very honored to have one of my dear friends, Buddy Watson, join us again. Hello. Welcome back. Hey, Yonk. It's good to be back. You know what? I'm really good. Yeah? No, that's good. <laughs> How are you? I am, I am too, actually. Good. Been um, a decent start to the year, I think. Oh, look, honestly, um, I'm not mad. <laughs> Cancel, clear, delete, refresh. Let's uh, clean slate out That's of the sure. game. Yeah. Do you know what's really cool is I um, I bought a ticket to Youngblood, but I'm really concerned that it's not going to happen. When is that supposed September. to take place? September? Maybe. Don't let me down here. I love, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I am the ultimate p- decider of uh, whether things will go ahead or not. Sorry, PAX has been cancelled. It's uh, early in the year, but I'm already cancelling it. Don't worry. Oh, I cancelled that this morning as well. <laughs> I don't want to, but personally, if I don't have to be, I don't think I will be there. Mm. It's kind of a weird um, mentality over like the last couple of months of 2020 with November, December. Everyone's like, Gee, I hate 2020. It's been such a rough year for everyone. I can't wait to 2021 when really nothing changes. It's just the the, the sun goes <laughs> around the earth again and all the calendars <laughs> pop up and now there's a 2-1 a, a in front of it. And, you know, 2021, we'll have much of the same uh, shit news. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to be a little bit like that for a while. But um, oh. Although uh, we are recording on quite an iconic day because it is the day before the U.S. presidential inauguration. So yeah, congratulations, pals in the U.S. That's for, it. For that. The U.S. is finally on the right side of history. Ah, we'll see. Well, some <laughs> There's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's right. So. There's also, you know, Biden really has to impress me to um, – to trust the US again, so... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a very low bar, and at the moment he can just step over that, but then I guess the normalcy bar will be in place of <laughs> normal <laughs> things that should have occurred, and now like he's going to meet that. The sa- the sanity bar? Sanity or... bar. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to reach that first, and, and then it's fine. That's it. Let's, um, hope, let's hope 2021 isn't a horror movie. Yeah, God, I mean, 2020 was... I um, put a tweet out and I was like, so what was everyone's um, favourite horror movie of, of, of this year? And someone was like, can I say 2020? And I was like, it was your favourite? <laughs> yeah. you like, you want that. Yeah. And there's much better horror favorite. movies than that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're about to speak about one, so that's going to be fun. Yeah. Before we do that, um, for those who haven't caught the episode that we did incredibly early on in the life that is TGIF, can you just give us a little bit of a rundown about you and what you do? And Yeah, so I think I was on episode two. We spoke about yeah. Scream, which is one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies in my top five, not just horror films, but films in general. I love the slasher genre and how meta it is. And uh, yeah. Now we're here speaking about a, another cool movie. I'm sure you'll be able to present in a minute. But yeah, my name's Buddy. I um, host a podcast called Radio Watson. I've done a few podcasts in my time, but this is what I'm doing at the moment. And uh, it's not really like weekly or fortnightly or anything. I just kind of drop it when I feel like it. And I generally just have a few guests on, some of my friends and people in the, I guess, the, the kind of the podcasting community jump on and talk about favorite things. So that's the last episode I did was like about the new Wonder Woman one before that was like top 10 games of the generation. Then I spoke about top 
albums of 2020. So um, it's kind of like a, a range of uh, uh, topics with a, a good mix of um, voices. And I get to just record and hang out and talk with my friends. About movies. Yeah. Because I, um, I really enjoyed the Christopher Nolan series that you did. Uh, we did one on Tenet, I think. Yeah. No, we spoke about Tenet. No, no, that was uh, Explosion Network. Uh, they did a great one on Tenet. I yeah, have spoken. No, was it, it me? Was a... <laughs> yeah. Was it? Were you on Explosion? No. Yeah. So many people think I uh, am with the Explosion Network because I hang out with no. them all the time. No? I, I actually no. don't know. It all blends into one. I was like, I swear it was you. No, I, uh, the most movie stuff I've done this year, I've done Wonder Woman. Last year we did an episode on uh, Ryan Johnson. That's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Christopher Nolan. I'm like, I did see Tenet. I did speak of I don't know if I did a podcast. Tweets go up about movies, and I'm like, podcast. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, that was a lot. That that was a lot of fun. Um, The Ryan Johnson podcast that we did with uh, Dylan from Explosion Network, and uh, also James, um, who's an awesome writer. And uh, yeah, he's a cool streamer, isn't he? Uh, no, he's over at Power Up, um, and he does a few freelance things here and there. And he has like a podcast about like Doctor Hugh, Doctor Hugh, (laughs) Doctor Who, and um, looking at it through. uh, I guess, uh, gay lens, I guess. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I was using, I, the, I don't know if I was using the correct terming there. <laughs> LGBT lens. Yeah. I, I was trying lens. to find, uh, the, the right wording there. Um, I have this thing where I hear so many people's intros or read their intros. Like every time I introduce Ryan from pop Ultra, he's like, his spiel is like, Oh, and it's on the YouTubes at 8am or 9am. So every time I, I say, oh, this is Ryan from Thing, and you can catch his podcast. And it's almost like I'm repeating their intro. So it's some weird thing I have in my mind. Well, it's how you remember your podcast friends. That's it. I was actually laughing about a meme that was in our Discord chat that you had sent me. Um, and it was like, oh, I made a new friend today. And it's like, oh, friends or podcast friends? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I was scrolling just having a look at what we chat about recently. <laughs> Yep. I was like, oh, God, that's me now. Yeah, that resonates and hits hard. <laughs> yeah, my grandma lately is like, oh, so what are you, new friends this weekend? <laughs> new, new episodes? And I'm like, oh, you know, grandma, working hard, hardly working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie we're, we're going to be talking about today is actually the first vampire movie that anyone has chosen. I can't believe that. What the fuck? Yeah, how many episodes are you into? Now you've done a myriad of episodes. Okay, I am 21 episodes down. No vampires yet. And no vampires. I, I would say that vampires are one of the most iconic horror monsters. Yeah. And, you know, there are your icons like your Freddy, your Jason, your Michael Myers, Leatherface, these horror staples. But as a movie monster, and I guess one of the universal movie monsters, the OGs, no the originals, Dracula. Yeah, I was going to say Dracula. Um, uh not even why has no one chosen van helsing that's like one of my favorite movies someone please choose it yeah exactly so please save me because i need to talk about like dracula's brides and how hot they are (laughs) well that's um i guess i i guess a a peek behind the curtain um for us is um i know how much you love horror and i guess vampires as as well as like all right well let's you know want to come on my podcast and let's talk about all these vampire movies and i guess yeah, it's really, really been on me that has to get that going because I've got this like list of like 60 plus vampire movies and all this like eclectic stuff that I'm like, I really should watch all this stuff and kind of get a a, a wider 
you know, broaden my knowledge when it comes to actual vampires and movie vampires and how they're depicted and stuff. So I apologize. No, but that's no, in the works, but I, I kind of, it's like a project that I want to use so I can watch more of those movies. So um, yeah, hopefully that well, happens this year too. Send me the list. Yeah. Maybe that's my resolution. <laughs> my one resolution <laughs> is to watch the all the vampire, vampire movies. <laughs> so you've chosen Near Dark. Yeah. Um, so before we get started for Australian listeners, you can stream Near Dark on SBS On Demand at the moment. And for US listeners, Google tells me that Near Dark is available on Amazon Prime. Now, I don't know if that's for rent because like to, to rent it or whatnot, because when I go to the Near Dark landing page on Amazon for US, it doesn't give me any details. So it's, it's there. <laughs> I'm sorry if you have to pay for it. Like not sorry, because it's a good movie, but sorry if I gave you the wrong information. You won't regret it. No. So um, this film is really cool. So it's directed by Catherine Bigelow. Is that is that how you say her last name? Yeah. Okay, cool. So she actually, after this film, went on to direct Point Break, Blue Steel, and The Hurt Locker. Wow. Which I love. I freaking love The Hurt Locker. Uh, I don't know if anyone else feels that way about it. But... Did the Hurt, the Hurt Locker one, did that win Best Picture? I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. It won a lot of awards, the... Um, that uh, award season because hmm. um, it, it, it really is a great film. Um, and it's actually written by Catherine as well. So that's really cool. She spells her name different to me. So this is the <laughs> only gripe I have about the whole thing is that the way she spells Catherine is wrong. <laughs> the only way to spell it is C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. None of this K business. Yeah, it won six Oscars. Wow, that's, that's super impressive. And she, and she got the... The Oscar, so I'm just going through some of the um, stuff here. She, uh, Hurt Locker was Picture of the Year. She got Best Directing, Best Original Screenplay, uh, Best Film Editing, and wow. um, it also won Best Sound Mixing, Sound Editing, and was nominated in three other categories. So oh, pretty impressive. Like Ka- yeah. Ka- Catherine Bigelow, I guess, looking at some of her movies now, um, in particular, my favorite is uh, Point Break. Uh, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. I just, it's nonstop. But um, I guess a near dark can now be added to that as one of my favorites. Yeah, well, it's her um, directing debut. So directoral debut. Mm-hmm. De- How do you say that word? De- de- <sighs> debut? I don't know. Debut? Sounds right. Just, sounds good. Maybe it's just our accent that it sounds wrong. I think, I think it's just the accent. Yeah, it's like you shouldn't say that word. <laughs> That's not allowed. Um, so this film came out in 1987 and was kind of part of this real um, boom of vampire movies. So uh, just before, sorry, just after this interview with a vampire came out uh, in the 90s, obviously not in 1987. Yep. Um, I'm not too sure what else was coming out around this time, but they were really keen on vampires. Yeah. So uh, Lost Boys. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure what. They're the only ones I can think of. Yeah, so Fright Night is a year before this. Oh, of course. And then, Duh, and, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then I think Lost Boys gets released, uh, is it either six months before or six months after um, mm. Near Dark, which I guess might have had an impact of why it was or, or well, wasn't really a uh, critical success or commercial yeah. success at the time. Maybe maybe people had, you know, had all the uh, vampire love sucked out of them after watching the, all those movies, but. It's, Lost Boys. Yeah. 
it's kind of got a similar type of vibe though like it, yeah it definitely does and it's just really really strange that note that this has only become like a cult hit late well that i've seen a lot of it lately and it's so i've lost my train of thought um because it hasn't a really big cast Mm. so like only a couple of years before this a lot of this cast were on a were in alien yeah so uh lance henriksen was in alien um i don't know who else. Uh, so, Bill yeah, Pax- Henrikson. Bill Paxton's in, in Alien as well. Oh. well uh, sorry, Aliens. Um, and Jeanette Goldstein, who plays yes. Diamondback. So, I think yeah. um, I was watching like a doco the other day, and it was originally Bill Paxton had been given this, this script, um, and he read over, and because he was kind of filming Alien or um, had kind of been friends with everyone at the time, he was also like just telling them about it, and all of a sudden, everyone else kind of got. Uh- Oh, interested in yeah. it so from what i can see like it's kind of conflicting stories because I've, I've seen one version of events where you know james cameron who was obviously married to Catherine bigelow but not at the time yeah. had no input into those that cast coming across and there's other stories that say that he, he kind of did but it might have just worked out that they got the script they loved it they're all friends they're all filming something at the same time and we're all kind of interested in it so yeah, because I was like, wow, there is, <laughs> everyone was in Alien. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, this, so the whole concept of Near Dark is really quite interesting because it's this neo-Western horror film where these vampires, but they're not really called vampires. They actually never even mention the word vampire in the entire film, but they're kind of these like, um nomads who are roaming around hunting they're immortal and there's a real lack of vampire mythology throughout the whole story um so Catherine bigelow kind of creates her own unusual vampire story with near dark and it's really cool because you know they're kind of these western gun gunslingers they're not really the typical vampire and they're also poor and they're not these glamorous beings that, you know, a lot of vampires were depicted as and then continue to be depicted as, you know, these people of power and wealth and, and you know, we've been here for a million years, so we've got a trillion dollars. <laughs> yeah, there's no Transylvania castle uh, on, on, the, on the top of a, a mountainside. Yeah. With, um, you know, a table that can probably seat 20 people with just one person sitting at the end. <laughs> drinking Probably soup like 50 people soup quotation marks oh it's tomato soup oh yeah clearly tomato soup <laughs> i wonder if vampires can eat basil because you know like if i was drinking blood i'd want to put some basil in that what this is okay i'm gonna segue straight into this okay um <laughs> instead of I, I don't know where we're gonna start and end with this but there's a scene very early on in this film um where may who was like i guess the younger girl uh who we don't really know as a vampire at the start but when the main character Caleb kind of sees her for the first time and wants to go over and kind of try and court her. She's licking an ice cream. Yeah. And later on when Caleb turns, he tries to eat a chocolate bar and he like throws it on the ground and he's like kind of convulsing and can't eat it. I'm like, wait a so minute. So can they eat stuff that's not human? 
blood yeah. because she was eating a soft serve ice cream earlier in the movie. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because he just turned. He was. That's what I was also thinking. And then in my mind went down the rabbit hole of like, maybe that soft serve is made out of like pig fat, like the, and maybe there's something in there. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a blood ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a prop ice cream. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Oh, I'd be so upset if I got given a prop ice cream. Yeah. But I love it. The first line, like the first thing he says to her, he's like, comes over and he's like, can I have a bite? And I'm like, oh, this is, you know. No, knowing the context of the movie and what it's about, like, this is this is great. I love that line already. Yeah, because this is at the start. So the start of the film is just basically Caleb driving around in his truck. He's gone to meet his friends at a bar, and he spots this young woman who uh, we find out is May. And um, when they introduce it, the, uh, when they introduce it themselves to one another, and she says to him, "Do you have a girlfriend?" And he's like, "Oh no," and she's like, "Oh, something about." that's unfortunate for you yeah it's like <clears throat> it's very weird like i know this yeah. is an 80s movie and you know caleb he's like like a farm boy and it's kind of set in that kind of setting and you know there's flannel being worn and cowboy hats and pickup trucks and stuff <laughs> but it's very like the way he's kind of goes over to court her it's very corny and the way mm. he kind of like circles her like paces kind of behind her as he's talking to her but then feels like she's kind of still being a little bit playful or either yeah. she's oblivious, but yeah, there's some, some weird lines he throws out. <laughs> yeah. I tried to grab some of the quotes while I was watching it and I was just like, Oh, Oh, stop. Mm. Like, it's not that it's bad. And then obviously, you know, it's 1987. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's acceptable. But I guess it's, it's not um, problematic in any way. Mm, I guess it's very, movie. Very clear that, you know, the, the tropes exist and maybe that was uh, to emphasize what was going on there in that, that scene. Yeah, because they end up going home together, which I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've known each other for two minutes. Mm, you're not from around here. No. You want to go for a drive? <laughs> yeah, get in, get in the back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Totally. Uh, obviously, because we find out late... Uh, there's scenes in the like in the middle, sorry, where um, these group of vampires are getting in cars with other people and whatnot. And so it was like, was Caleb intended to be dinner for May? Mm. Um, and when he takes May home, he gets out of the car, and the horse loses its mind. Yep. Uh, and she was just like, "Oh, horses don't like me." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. And then he lassoes her, which killed me. I was just like, no. no. This, is, this, is, this is corny. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it can only go up from here. Yeah. I didn't, think, I didn't think about that, though. Like, May kind of going home with him and possibly scouting him for, for dinner in their first interaction. I never really thought about that. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good point because later in the movie they're picking up hitchhikers and I guess there's not that normal level of, like, eroticism or like seduction in this setting of the vampires yeah. but that is their seduction i guess yeah. especially with paxton's character picking up the, the two girls and combing yeah. his hair back and looking nice <laughs> and ladies sexy in that scene yeah just trying to be suave <laughs> as i actually wrote the word suave <laughs> i love it <laughs> yes there you go intended and they end up in their 
car together because Caleb is taking May home. Mm. And she's panicking. Well, there's a scene where they're kissing and looking at the stars and like a first date kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and then May needs to get home. Uh, what's really cool that I've noticed is that the camera does some real cool focus shots on things like her teeth and um, how pale her skin is. And so there's a lot of like accentuation of her different facial features. Um, and she also does make a comment that she's stronger than Caleb. Mm, and when she, so, she pulls him on the lasso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like, like we never hear the word vampire mentioned, but there's lots of things and hints and uh, camera shots and comments and script that we're putting those pieces together anyway. So they never have to actually say, oh, my God, he's a vampire, mm. which I appreciate. Yeah, it's really good. It's smart filmmaking. It's like, okay, well, that's already out there. We don't need to make it obvious. Yeah. And, you know, she's obviously lost track of time and is kind of the little romantic kind of get together is kind of <laughs> cut short and she's just like screaming and pleading to go home before sunset and not really giving them a reason why but um yeah yeah like all those little once again dealing with tropes so the audience knows it's a vampire film and it's what's not said that's more a bit subtle and kind of adds to it yeah and then she fucking bites him yeah and he doesn't get back in his car he runs off with his skin burning in yeah the how close was his house to her house their house but, I mean, they, he runs across all these fields, but the car took them forever to get there. Yeah, it was weird. Do you think that she was trying to pick up Caleb to turn him? Like, was she is she lonely trying to find someone to eat or find, like, a companion? I'm not too sure. I'm 50-50 on that. Yeah, because later on in the film, they're like, oh, you know, what was your story? And I th- think she mentions that she was picked up outside of, like, school or whatever from the, the young child. Um, who's obviously oh, not Homer. a young child, Homer, yeah. um, who's, you know, a child vampire, but obviously hundreds of years old as well, just was turned right. as a child. Uh, is... Smoked ciggies and shots tequila. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the whole um, Kirsten Dunst from Interview with a Vampire type vampire trapped yeah. in a child's body. But I think it was mentioned there that she was only being a vampire for four years. Yes, so she does say that. I'm yeah. wondering, like at the start, I'm like, oh, she's only looking for... A friend. A friend, she's years old, but then that's kind of debunked later on anyway. But maybe yeah. maybe it's in the kind of the, the hunt, I guess the the getting used to period of being a vampire and maybe that four years has been harder than, you know, being a hundred year old vampire when maybe they're not so thinking about companionship, but more so just eating. As like a, yeah. a hundred year old vampire has kind of come to the terms with, well, I've had lovers, I've had relationships, it's never going to happen. Um, maybe I don't crave that anymore. I'm, I'm more, the longer you are a vampire, the longer you become a monster and, and more further away you come from, I guess, your humanity. Yeah, you so. just want to bang and eat. <laughs> just bang and eat. I love That's it. What I from like uh, Underworld. Yeah. Blade, banging and eating. That's all vampires do. <laughs> <laughs> and a documentary that I watched on the real vampires of New Orleans. But. <laughs> You don't want to watch that. Okay. No, I won't. I do? Do it. Yeah, watch it. So, yeah, Uh, does she bite Caleb deliberately or like, does she she just just get carried away? Maybe she just got carried away. I don't know. It's so, yeah, I'm 50-50 on that. 
it's weird because it's a whole through line for the movie like when they're kind of really lovey-dovey and you know let's spend the rest of eternity together to kind of i want to go back to my family yeah you know, for caleb um he just drops and leaves, and drops like, and leaves and i don't want this lifestyle but he still cares for her anyway i'm like you just really haven't known each other for that that long so mm. i i don't understand what's happening like four days yeah. relax imagine if they just like broke up four days after the like the events of everything happened like well that was, that was a war, that was a whirlwind weekend that was that was some whirlwind weekend what a romance. damn i thought i was like gonna be with this girl for the next hundred years <laughs> no i'm stuck as a fucking vampire <laughs> so fun fact at approximately 21 minutes and 13 seconds of the movie uh, when he's like stumbling across uh, town and around um, the fields and stuff, there in the background is a Warner Cinema playing Aliens. Wow, there you go. Yeah, nice little uh, reference to the, the the cast and James Cameron, yeah. and I guess Catherine Bigelow as well. I don't even know if she'd kind of how in depth she is in a relationship with James Cameron at that point. Well, he'd apparently been visiting the set. Yeah. Because there is a, a, like, a trivia thing that I read that a scene where a hitchhiker sticks his finger up at Caleb, hmm. that's actually uh, that's actually James Cameron. Wow, there you go. <laughs> so he'd, like, come onto the set. He'd just come onto so, the set and make sure, like, half his cast doesn't get uh, injured, injured or hurt in this freaking <laughs> Western vampire film. <laughs> hey, you three, you know you have to be in Aliens, right? Like, don't mess around here. Let's go. Move it. Yeah. Um, so May and the vampires, like, come across in this, like, fucking dingy-ass RV. They're, like, hooping and hollering, like, <laughs> a bunch of rednecks. <laughs> and, like, just grab him as they're driving. And I was just like, how terrified would you be? Yeah, it, I, this is what I've written here. Uh, Caleb just gets abducted in the middle of daylight in front of his family. <laughs> And uh, in in some sort of Breaking Bad mobile meth lab style Winnebago, driven by the vampires. That's like, exactly what the exactly hell? what it is. <laughs> but I love it. And then Bill Paxton's uh, vampire character, which is Severin, yeah, says, "You know, we're going to kill him." I don't know why. Uh, but then May says, you know, you can't because I've already turned him. Mm. And I guess they kind of uh, respect that relationship that a maker has with their vampire, like with their servant. Yeah, I was also thinking that or it might be like, okay, they're a vampire now. I'm not going to kill them. We only feed on humans. Like this would just be some kind of vampiric code that they have. Um, yeah. although they do kind of give him this ultimatum when like you're either one of us and we'll give you a week and you got to kind of prove yourself and show that you can make your first kill. You are going to be a vampire and, and I guess lose that little bit of humanity, um, and, yeah. and be with us or, or you're not. So, yeah. Cause Severin says to him, howdy, I'm going to separate your head from your shoulders. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> and, and Bill Paxton has, has a lot of great He's lines. He's fantastic in this. Like and, and, every, all the good lines are his. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the the one link that this kind of has to Lost Boys outside of being in the eighties and being a, I guess a group of vampires trying to 
I guess they were more trying to recruit Michael more than what they recruited Caleb in this as, as an accident <laughs> versus deliberate. But <laughs> I think it's the, the whole leather jacket, the sunglasses, uh, that suaveness, the bravado, I guess the, 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 the cocky dialogue and lines that he, that he punches out, like looking like a, you know, a, Keith Sutherland or something as, as, as like the uh, the leader. I think that's maybe the one link that I have that it has between Lost Boys and maybe that that's where this kind of gets lost in translation that maybe people had had their fill when it came to Lost Boys or, yeah. you know. Oh, it's just, kind of yeah, so or... maybe like the presentation of Bill Paxton's character was like, oh, yeah, we've, we've, we've seen a movie like this even though like outside of the family theme, everything else like with the whole the western vibe and the non-vampiric stuff and the non-mythos that's presented or, or not yeah. presented it's completely different so well they all missed out they did <laughs> and i'm glad i didn't get to miss out because i only saw yeah. this back end of last year when i was kind of doing my research into watching more vampire flicks and this is kind of one i'd never really seen so yeah no i didn't see i did see it when you were like hey cat I've put this on the list. Yeah, and I watched it. Like, you, you told about it, and I'm like, I, I'm yeah. like, all right, I got to watch it now. I got to watch it the next day. So, yeah, I was having a chat about it. It was. It's a good movie. I don't. It's really well done. The only that even sorry, the only thing that's like the best thing about it is that it's an hour and a half movie, and my attention was <laughs> like on like this on the yeah. I'm doing the two eyes. Yeah, fingers. Yeah, you guys get me. Um. So Jesse, who's their, their leader, who's played by Lance Henri- uh, Henriksen, he basically, he's the one that says Caleb can stay, but he's got a week and he's got to learn how to hunt um, because, you know, he's not one of us. And so that's a big thing that's throughout this whole film is that you're not one of us. You're not like us. You're this, you're that. And I think that that really does help Caleb break away from them and be like, you know what? No, I, I am not like you. I am not one of you. I'm out of here. See you later. Mm. And so that night um, they all go out hunting together and I love this because it's like a montage of how each of them are getting their food that night. And so (laughs) Homer lays down in the middle of the street. So Homer's, what, 10, 11 years old or something? Yeah. And he's in the middle of the street, laying down, pretending to be hit by a car. And he's, like, luring a car to to eat them. And I was like, that's a pretty good ruse. I like your style. That'd be me. I'm lazy, so I don't want to work too hard. Yep. Um, we've got Jesse and his partner, who I can't remember her name. Diamondback. Um, oh, she. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Sorry, it's right in front of me. <laughs> um, uh, I can't re- remember how they hitchhike. Or yeah. They pick up no, they pick up hitchhikers. So this is what I liked, like yeah. what you were saying about the montage. Um, like Bill Paxton's character, character Severin. He's, you know, the suave, like, kind, yeah, he's like the greaser style hair and the taxi shirt and looking all nice. Doesn't have the leather jacket on to look intimidating at all during this period. The only time he doesn't have it on really in the movie. And he picks up these two girls that kind of pull over for him hitchhiking. And then it's the flip reverse for um, yeah. the the other two, the kind of the, the, the older vampires in um, Jesse and Diamondback. And they pick up a hitchhiker. Yeah. So I just love how it was like. No, yeah, one's using the seduction and one's using the kind of we will help you type thing. And then Yeah. I just love that 
uh, Severin rolls over to the car and he's like, can I invite you two lovely ladies to dinner? Yeah. I was like, no, you are dinner. Get away. And they're like, (laughs) yeah, sure thing. All right. And so this whole movie, it's so weird, is that you you are – on the side of the vampires throughout this. Yeah, it's not your traditional, like, look into my eyes, I will hypnotize you and make you, that's my seduction. Uh, he's yeah. just... A normal dude. Charming. Yeah. Charming guy. And I think guy. that's the really alluring part of the whole movie as well, is that we're not seeing a typical vampire movie. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love vampire movies, I love Queen of the Damned, I love all of the Underworld films, I know a lot of people will debate me on that. Uh <laughs> Um, I didn't like Interview with a Vampire because it goes too long and I've read the book, so... Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I've read I've read Dracula. Yeah. Um, I tried to watch the TV show Dracula. Don't recommend. It's a little yeah. bit cringe. Gave it a miss. Oh, I watched the first episode and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> so, yeah, May and Caleb... Uh, end up hitchhiking as well and they jump in a truck with a driver like a really big driver and he's like teaching them how to drive this truck and he's like I'm pretty sure hopped up on Adderall Um, (laughs) (laughs) and Caleb is really not doing okay in this Mm. situation he's sweating he looks like he's about to throw up Um, and eventually you know they the the truck pulls over and he like throws himself out of the car, out of the cab and may ends up killing the truck driver for him. And she lets him drink from her. Yeah, He just can't do it yet. Yeah. He's totally hesitant, unwilling, does not want to kill another human being. One thing I found really interesting is that when he's drinking from May's wrist, we hear a heartbeat as the soundtrack and it's like a dull beating and I was like, vampire's hearts don't beat. Mm. So I found it really interesting that um, like the sound designers would go for that in... I don't know, I guess it's this subconscious thing of like he's finally being able to, to feed and he's been weak for so long that it's almost like pumping blood into his giving him life, oh, yeah. like vampiric okay, life. So, and while yeah. he's feeding off her, she's like quite or, like orgasmic in her she's body really language. And, yeah. I don't know if it's like the feeling she's getting or just knowing that maybe he's one step closer to fully embracing that he's a vampire now that he's feeding on her, like that idea. One thing I noticed in um, – in vampire movies, feeding is meant to be an incredibly sexual act. Mm. So I think that um, Bigelow brought that into certain parts of the film, especially with feeding because it's meant to be this sensual, like um, all the the feelings of being nourished and it's, yeah, apparently meant to be this really, um, yeah, like intimate thing for vampires. Mm. Not to feed off one another because that's not normal. Vampires yeah normally die if they feed off one another. Um, so it's really interesting that they also did like that Caleb fed from May. Um, I should just write books about vampires. Do it. <laughs> Fun facts with Kat. <laughs> just <laughs> hundred facts about vampires. <laughs> Do it. I'll, I'm for it. <laughs> you're, you're, I, at least I've got one person that's going to buy the book. Excellent. <laughs> um. So they jump on this train. There's this massive fight. They basically, Jesse wants to kill Caleb. 
And Diamondback says, uh, you know, it's not going to be a normal death. Like, it's going to be long and painful and you're going to be burning. And so they somehow convince Jesse to give him some more time. And he says, all right, he's got to kill tonight or kaput. Yep. He's out of here. Uh, so they end up walking into a bar. The whole wow, game. this this is like a ridiculous. Like, for the, for the whole part of this movie, it's got that you know, it's there's vamp, it's a vampire film, right? But it's more so a western with vampires in it for the most part. And this, you know, it's it, that kind of slowish burn, even though it's giving you little story beats here and there. But this is where I feel like it, it's that real western thing of ramping up and just going from zero to a hundred. At this moment. Yeah. So. The really cool thing is I read somewhere that Catherine Bigelow, the way that she had purposely and intentionally written this was so that the trope of them being vampires didn't carry the story. The characters actually carried the story. Yeah. So that, you know, we know they're vampires. Like, we know that already, but it's not like a defining part of the story. Mm. It's just they're these cowboys in a Western film that just happen to be vampires. Yeah, that's about it. The same way, like uh, a um, a normal gun gunslinger would go into a brothel or something like that in a western. This is kind of similar, but they're just vampires. Yeah, which is the coolest part about it. Yeah, and this fight scene is just nuts. Wow, <laughs> the throat slit. There is a throat slit in this with oh. the oh and then the, the pouring of the blood into the oh man there's a, there's a lot going on in this there's a lot going on in this so they arrive at the bar oh. <laughs> Severin automatically targets a man at the end of the bar spills his drink is a massive dick to the bartender to basically all the patrons in the bar everyone's seated and jesse orders a round of tequila and a, a beer and a glass mm. leave the glass yeah. empty yeah and why do they want to leave the glass empty, buddy? <laughs> oh, so they can slit the poor waitress's throat and pull her neck back so she bleeds out into the glass? <laughs> and then they just drink from the glass? Yummy. Wow. <laughs> and I find it really interesting because, you know, they're talking about hunting and killing and Caleb sees all this real... Um, grotesque and visceral violence that they perpetrate. Not just like, oh, we're just going to bite them and kill them and that's it. They are brutally murdering these people. Yeah, this is like playing with your food more so. It's like the sport aspect and behind it than than just like you were saying, yeah, the the, the survival. This was theatre for them. It was almost like a performance for themselves. All right, let's have some fun. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Oh, God. And then... Um, when Caleb ends up stabbed because Severin has incited a fight between a patron and Caleb. And he's like, punch him. I want to teach him something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the guy stabs Caleb and, you know, it's just an all out after that. And I'm sure they've they've come across this, you know, in in their hundred plus years of living where they've might have had reluctant, vampires or humans that have, have just turned and have been unwilling to test themselves with the, you know, the hitchhiking theme or just finding someone. And, and this is the next step. Let's show them, you know, we tried to do it this way. Let's show you what it can also be with this really violent, horrific way of doing it and almost kind of 
rely on your animal instincts to kick you into gear to kill someone if you can't like if it's still your your mind that's the the, the barrier to being able to perform the kill yeah and that does make a lot of sense because like you said they did do the normal like normal <laughs> and then there's this absolute grotesque and bloody version of killing as well yep because it's just it was like, like... Severin rips a neck open and he's got blood all over his face and all over his beautiful white shirt and they're just filthy and dirty and it really adds to that whole nomad um like persona they're all meant to have mm. I'm just like, has any of those had a fucking bath? <laughs> I got the massive like from from dust till dawn vibes, like in the yeah. bar, and just like slaughter happening. Yeah, oh, I love that movie as well. That's good. I think because from dust till dawn is that real animalistic vamp vampirism. Yeah, where this kind of is that meets Lost Boys. Yeah, so Nidak's kind of in between. Like, there's still that you know that level of violence from the twins in this bar scene, you know, with the blood and then they burn the place down. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, let's fuck it. Let's get out of here. We're done with this. We don't need it anymore. Disposable. People are trash. People are disposable. Yeah. That's another, what's another vampire movie that comes to mind with that? It's John Carpenter's Vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that for years. I've got it on DVD here. It's I should watch it soon, but I distinctly remember there like being like one head honcho, king vampire. I don't even know if it's like a Dracula type sort, but um, at the start, there's like it. They're in like in a motel, like a in the middle of nowhere, and it's just once again just a massacre of vampires, just like ripping through people. This I love the sound bloody. of it. I love the sound of it. Yeah, I'm in. Sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> um. So after they set, they set this bar on fire, one of the pe- patrons in the bar actually just leaps out the fucking window and leaves, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm out." I'm not sticking around. And so they all pile into the car. I don't, how many are there of them? There's Diamondback, Jesse, Homer, Severin, May, and uh, Caleb. So there's six of them. Okay, that's not that yeah. many. But Caleb was on foot anyway. So he, it's kind of the one that Caleb was supposed to kill and he was like, mm, hesitates. Then he kind of runs after him. And yes. And then and then eventually, you know, it comes down to that like one-on-one and, and, and he lets him go. So he still can't do yeah. it. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm kind of glad that throughout this whole film, uh, and we'll you know through he doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, and I guess the way it ends with um the the reversal as yeah. well, it, it he would be really changed mentally, and maybe it would be harder to kind of sympathize with him or relate mm-hmm. to him if he had have lost his his humanity and killed. Like, he resisted yeah. for so long, and that's kind of one of his admirable traits. Yeah, and I kind of like, like, I like that about him, that he, even after all this pressure and all this trauma and stress that was put on him, he still was like, I'm going to stay, stay true to myself. Mm. But I'm going to let my girlfriend kill the truck driver, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's what's that thing, it's like, um, there's something about watching evil happen and doing nothing about it. Yeah, it's That's the him. it's the bystander rule in Seinfeld when they all get jailed. Yeah, <laughs> <At the end. laughs> <Just> like that. <laughs> Eventually, after they've been um, in their car for a little while, they're they're desperately trying to take their car up because uh, it's going to be daytime any any moment. But they pull into a motel, and it's actually they call it a bungalow, a bungalow, I believe. 
because he asks the guy, let me stay in one of your bungalows. And the guy at the motel was like, weren't you here in, in, in 54? Yeah. I've seen you before here. Yeah, I come through here every 50 years 50 or so. Years. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. And so they all go to bed. Vampires sleeping, you know, need your beauty sleep. Absolutely. And the cops eventually catch up to them. And there's like a m- massive shootout between all of them. And I'm pretty sure all the cops end up dead. But mm. yikes. It's awesome. And because um, they're in this like little room, I guess. Uh, it's the size of a room and they've boarded everything up and they were hoping to sleep through the day. But, you know, the police rock up and it's kind of screwed all their plans. But when the police just start unloading um that's making bullet holes through the thing and then the sun oh, pierces yeah. through as well and it's not just the, like the bullets i guess that don't kill them they can't avoid but it's more so the bullet holes that let the sun seep through kind of acting like laser beams and burning them yeah, while they're inside can't avoid that. yeah it's some kind of like weird maze type laser maze that you would find at like time zone or laser force or something you'd have to dodge through one of those rooms <laughs> do you think the cops knew uh, and that's why they did that? probably not no they probably don't have, I, for most parts in these kind of like movies. And I got the sense of this, like that they didn't really believe in, you know, they wouldn't believe in vampires. It's such a yeah. weird thing. Classical thing. Yeah. It's like, that can't exist. What do you mean? Yeah. Unless they'd see someone like uh, an act of vampirism, which I guess is like, that would be one of the last things they'd see anyway, being a human in this kind of reality. Cause they'd probably end yeah. up dead soon. <laughs> except the except for the, the boy that survived and obviously ratted on them or not ratted on, but like, Cops. told the cops what you know what had happened and where they kind of obviously did their recon and where they may or may not be so yeah, he, I mean, he's he's 100% a believer yeah he was he bought in straight away he was like no vampires i'm out unless he just thinks there's these these weird violent cultists that are drinking blood human blood cuz look the satanic panic wasn't that long before this yeah so. okay <laughs> probably just a runoff of that really <laughs> Caleb makes a break for it to their car or a van. He gets a van, doesn't he? Yeah, that they arrive in. Yeah, he's covered in a a sheet and protecting himself. He's still burning Mm. um, because it's the sun, so it's going to happen. And he basically pulls up to the door and they all get in and they escape the cops after they've shot them all anyway. Yeah. So even though he got him in this situation, it was kind of like his redeeming moment in front of the eyes of specifically Jesse, I guess, who's the leader. And Bill Paxton kind of gives him his little buckle that he... Uh, That was endearing, wasn't it? That he kills people with that's on his... uh, Yeah. That's on his shoes or whatever it was. His spur. Spurs. That's the one. Yeah, I was trying to think of what that word was. So it's like in the whole mix-up, I'm like, did they remember that he actually got them in this situation? No, they forgot about that. Maybe they have, like, goldfish memories. Hmm. But I guess they're willing to give him another chance. We don't really find out because, you know, Jesse's family who have been looking for him. And you have oh, this, no, Jesse's Caleb's oh, family. Oh, sorry, Caleb's family is <laughs> kind of looking for him. After seeing him getting du- abducted, they <laughs> catch up to him. Yeah, kind of catch up to him. And, every, you know, it's kind of this other side of the story that's kind of get dovetailed, dovetailed in randomly. Yeah. When they're at the motel, it's really interesting because we kind of see a lot more of their person rather than as a group. So we know that um, Jesse fought for the South, which would mean he's like 140, 150 at that time, Mm -hmm. now 180 if he was real. 
And then Severin also, you know, makes a comment about how him and Jesse started the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Yeah. So it's like we kind of get this idea of how long they've really been around for. And um, while they're doing that, Homer goes outside to um, a vending machine and he meets Sarah there, who is Caleb's younger sister. So we've already seen her throughout the start of the film and in little snippets of his dad looking for him and whatnot. And he takes her back to the room to watch TV. And I love how she's like, you guys are up late. And he's like, we keep odd hours. And she just <laughs> says nothing. She's like, all right, that's cool. Fine. Uh, Caleb comes back to the room and sees that his sister's there. And there's this fight because Homer wants to make uh, Sarah his companion. Mm. And um, they're all arguing. And Caleb's dad basically bursts into the room with a gun. Yeah. Which you would if you're a dad. Yeah, Absolutely. I wonder if he knew his son was there or if no. it was just like, a, what the fuck are you doing I think, here? I, th- I think it was a random thing um, that they yeah. were just there, I guess, on their pursuit and their own investigation because the police were pretty useless in in, <laughs> in helping out Caleb's family try and track him down. So just uh, a random course of events. The cops were shit. Yeah, they were useless. What were they doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> He'll show up. But- <laughs> Basically, um, Jesse makes a, you know, teases Caleb's dad and is like, yeah, what are you going to do? Shoot me, go for it. And then he does, which I didn't think was going to happen. So when that did, that caught me completely off guard. I was like, oh, oh, he fucking did shoot him. Mm. Wasn't expecting that. Um, And he regurgitates the bullet and hands (laughs) it back to Caleb's dad, which I thought was great. Yeah. Another, awesome. another cool moment. Yeah. And it's just like, he's badass. And now in this, I don't know if I like Caleb's dad or if I want the vampires to win. I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. Um, I don't know. I guess obviously like by default, you have to kind of be, they want you to cheer for Caleb and his, his family. But I guess there's like a, a movie fan and a vampire fan. <laughs> um, maybe you want uh, the vampires to win here, but I don't. I don't no, I don't, I don't think so. Because I guess Caleb, he has been reluctant to kind of turn and lose his humanity. That you kind of feel like we don't really want him to be forced into this 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 yeah. ragtag bunch of gypsy vampires and be forced into their family, like his family showing up kind of almost gives him a glimpse of like, oh my God, that was what my life is. That's what I'm trying to hold on. That's what I should be fighting for. And uh, he even like, like, don't hurt them. Don't hurt them. I'll, I'll do what you want. It's almost to the point where he's yeah. like, his moment of like, all right, I may give it up and be a vampire for the next hundred years is he's, that's because he wanted to protect his family in that moment. So his most human moment is possibly coming to the realization he, he might have to be a vampire for the rest of his yeah. life by sacrificing See, himself so i'm a i'm a vampire sympathizer that's what, <laughs> that's what they call them in true blood so sorry <laughs> is that what they call them yeah a sympathizer i think i'm not too sure <laughs> i hope i didn't take that from something i shouldn't have don't know because I, I know they you they had like nazi sympathizers so maybe I'll. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not the same thing though no no because vampires aren't nazis i'm sure they're around then yeah. Maybe they I mean, could have done more. The, maybe the vamps got the Nazis. Maybe. Maybe that's an alternate history type thing where 
maybe it wasn't the uh, the allies that were able to dethrone Germany and then Nazi Empire and kind of change the course of history. Maybe there was like an underground sleeper cell of vampires, or like a special unit, kind of like Inglorious Bastards, but vampires in that You're sense. My language. Maybe, maybe that that's what happened. So we'll never know. I hope my dad doesn't listen to that episode because he'd be like, this episode, he'd be like, no, Catherine. <laughs> he'll like call me and be like, you know, there, there was no underground vampire sleeper cell. Relax. <laughs> that changed the course of history. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he'd be like, it was the Allied Armed Forces, all right? <laughs> I'll cop so much shit from him. <laughs> Whatever. Um, You're a vampire sympathizer anyway. Yes, that's me. I am. I am. Take me now. Maybe I want to be a vampire. Who doesn't? The appeal. Like there are a lot of pros and cons, and there's there's a few lines where I think she's she actually says that May says that to Caleb. Like there's some I can't remember if she actually says pros and cons. Well, they were they were like you're strong and you're fast and blah blah blah. I remember they do talk about it in the car at one point. There's like there's and I don't know and there's some bad stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I was wondering what would happen to them if they didn't eat, right? But that doesn't happen in this film, so. Mm. Only chaos. <laughs> yeah. Who gets really sick anyway? So maybe that's what it is. So there's like a bit of a tussle between Caleb's dad and Jesse, and he gets the gun away from him. And Sarah just fucking whips this door open and lets sunlight in, burning, you know, the vampires. And Caleb makes a run for it with his family. Um, when he's in the car, I really liked this scene. Um, when he's in the car with his family because his dad's, you know, we're going to take you to hospital, we'll take you to hospital. And he's like, well, hospital cure this. And he puts his hand in the sunlight and it's like, like he just chucked a steak on the barbecue. And I was like, ooh, (laughs) that's disgusting. Um, And what we didn't mention but was like kind of important at the start um is that Caleb's dad is a veterinarian. Yep. Down the ranch. Caleb, yep. So he fixes the horses and the cows and sheep. What other animals are on farms? Llamas. Um, <laughs> Goats. Chickens. I'm just making up animals now. Well, I'm not making them up. They exist. I'm just putting them, <laughs> I'm just putting them on a farm. Goats are on farms. on farms. There's goat farms. Goats. Alpacas, mm. which are also llamas. Exactly. Um, so he just, yeah, so... Caleb says to him, give me a blood transfusion with your blood. Yeah, he spots, like, the kit there um, and then kind of has this sudden epiphany, like, wait a minute, maybe if I have non-vampire blood in me, which you can do, uh, being a a veterinarian, maybe I'll be cured of being a vampire. And it works. It's unbelievable. Wow. Cure for vampirism. Yeah, it's weird because I I really haven't encountered too much of this in any other vampire movies that I've I've, I've seen where there's like been a cure for being a vampire. Daybreak is probably the only one I can kind of remember. Blade was it? Yeah, I think it was two where the doctor helps them. It might be two or three. Okay. The young female doctor. Um because they don't do a reversal on her, but they stop her turning. Mm, okay. Yeah, with some sort of using Blade's DNA and I don't know. The Daywalker. Yeah, yeah. 
I love Blade. I love that. Are they remaking that, please? Well, they're doing... Yeah, they are with uh, Mahashra Ali. I love was in him. Moonlight. I love him so much. Have you seen Green Book? Ah, uh, yeah, I've seen Green Book. He's he's a fantastic actor. Cried my eyes out in that movie. He's so he's brilliant. He's also in um, True Detective. True Detective season three. Yeah, he's fantastic yes. in that. And that was yeah. a return to form for that show as well. So. Yeah, I heard that season two was like. Yeah, not 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 super great at all. Yeah. That night. Everybody, you know, we're thinking life's going back to normal for Caleb. Everyone just goes it's back great. to sleep. I'm like, oh, the vampires, they'll probably just kick on now. They I'll won't hold they any type of vendetta or, or come after us at all. Nah, don't worry about it. They're not coming back to get me for leaving them and becoming human again. Um, so May is out in their, like, um, front yard mm. i don't understand because farmhouses do they have a front yard do they have a backyard i don't know they have a side yard they have it's just everything. a whole yard it's just yard she's out in the yard uh basically distracting caleb um while the others take sarah and so caleb realizes what's happening and his tires have been slashed so he fucking jumps on the back of a horse this is great yeah with his cowboy yeah. hat it's oh, human he now he just galloping so down the street yeah um, but when he's confronted by Severin, he's thrown off his horse. Yeah. So this is, this is cool because it happens like in the middle of the town, I guess this small town in the middle yeah. of the road. And it really feels like one of those old school Western type scenes where the town is kind of spread out and there's like these showdown. And everyone's boarded up the windows and inside and there's like a <laughs> showdown. Hell? Yeah. Out, outside the front of the saloon, uh, between, <laughs> you know, I guess the, the hero and the villain. Um, yeah, which is yeah, it's it's so cool, especially because he came in on the horse. Please, yeah, right, right, something. What is it? You and your horse you rode into town with? Yeah, on absolutely. I know. I, know, I do not know any sayings. People are going to listen to this and be like, "Cat, that's twice you've done this, and you don't know what you're talking about." But yeah, everyone gets it though. They know what you're trying to say. Exactly. Translate me, everyone. <laughs> Good luck. Um. And I love this because after the horse bucks him up, he just jumps on a tractor trailer and runs Severin over. <laughs> I yeah. was like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just having a laugh about this because I only watched it this morning. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> uh, but obviously it does nothing. And um, where have I got it? So he jackknifes it. Yeah, he, like, he comes back up on the front windshield and starts punching through and just ripping things out of the engine like i got this almost like terminator like you cannot kill me type vibe especially with the semi truck and everything but and and then the explosion after it's just yeah which does kill severin Mm. which is surprising because like why didn't he get fucked up ripping out all the wires in the engine i don't know i guess the regenerative capabilities of vampires maybe it's because it's such minor damage that he's healing quicker than he's damaging himself whereas the, oh, this is just my theory <laughs> it's like maybe the over, <laughs> maybe just the overall flames like were enough to like burn him down to a crisp where Hot quick enough, enough where yeah. he couldn't regenerate or get out of there in in time so hmm. and they hadn't really like just like you said earlier on they really haven't established the rules of what can and can't kill these type of vampires in this situation obviously yeah. we know gunshots don't but um. Yeah, I guess. Stabbing being, doesn't. I guess being engulfed into like 
a giant fireball of flames from a, a semi-truck explosion, um, that might be enough Evolve. permanently. Yeah. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton, actually, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Actually, that's so sad because I used to – did you ever watch Big Love? No, I haven't seen Big Love. It's so good. There's a it's HBO about- one. Right? Yeah. 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 My sister and I used to get it on DVD when it had come out. We'd be like, oh my God, it's yeah. out on DVD. We gotta watch it. Because we didn't have um, Foxtel at the time. Yeah. Had but a bit, our dad did. <laughs> I think it had a decent decent run. I think it's like six seasons of it. So, or uh, five yeah, or six five seasons. Or six. Yeah. Yeah. Quite popular. Yeah. It, was, it was so good. Um, excellent cast as well. So, uh, Bill Paxton, The Wives. I can't remember who plays The Wives, but they're. they're <laughs> just did it for I Bill Paxton. Just did it for I Charming Bill Paxton. I'm and there's like 37 kids it's excellent there's not that many kids um so jesse and his girlfriend diamondback basically um try to get caleb but they basically they have to leave because um dawn is on the horizon Mm. so not wanting sarah to be a vampire may breaks out of the car that they're escaping in uh, with Kate, uh, with Caleb, with Sarah. And even though she's burning, she still carries Sarah to Caleb, which I thought was really nice. Because mm. that kind of shows her humanity as well, because she is a quite young vampire in comparison to the others. Yeah. And so maybe she's yearning to have some of her um, humanity back. Yeah, and she's obviously the night before. I don't know if she's really distracting them to take Sarah, like if she knew that was happening. Maybe that was just an exploit knowing that um, Maya was going to be talking to Caleb at that time that they kind of pulled. But her seeing that he'd been reversed and you didn't have to live that that life and he'd kind of like, you know, you don't have to be like this either. Um, Maybe that was kind of her thing where I don't need him to be a vampire to to have that fear of like he needs to be for to be with me forever or have this true love he needs to be a vampire and part of my family as well almost kind of like family lines type thing like you don't have to be doesn't matter who my family is we can be together anyway and maybe she has that kind of epiphany so and she yeah i think when she sees that caleb's also back to being human she's like whoa do can i have that same fate Mm. And that be me too. And I don't even know if she like looks at that and goes, well, maybe I can be reversed or whatever. Um, maybe she just sees that and, and kind of has, a, you know, remembers when she had humanity and why should she wish this upon anyone if she really does care about yeah. this person. So yeah, there's a it's lot a, to it. There's a lot of depth to vampires. All right, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Homer, you know, tries to chase him down. Uh, but he dies from exposure to the sun as well. Yeah, he was on a, it was like a, a suicide mission, but kind of, we'd kind of established earlier on when he first runs into Sarah at the motel that, you know, he, when he turned May, even though she was old enough, it's kind of like she was too old for him and he's lacking, he's really lacking a companion and we kind of see like a more human side to him and what his character's kind yeah. of like because he really wanted to impress Sarah which is weird because he, we don't know how old he is, right? He's could be like a mm-hmm. 50 plus year old, hundred years old. It's kind of weird when you think about it, trying to impress this eight or 10 year old. But I guess deep down he feels that young because he's in that body, even though he yeah. might, you know, be 50 or 60, 70, hundred years old or whatever. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's sad. Like he's kind of 
the loneliness he has as being a child yeah. vampire. And you get that in a few things, like even interview with a vampire, like I said before, Kirsten Dunst is for, forever a child. Yeah. So. It's really, it's really great when films break those boundaries and put in a child vampire, because in mythology and law and history, child vampires are very taboo. Mm. Um, I think in, in Twilight, <laughs> Um, they talk about the dangers of creating child vampires and uh, how they, you know, destroy civilizations. And um, there was a pact to never create child, like children vampires ever again. Yeah. Um, in Underworld, there's no children vampires. I think there's a story in, there's like a myth somewhere about a vampire who had vampire children. I'm not too sure because I'm not super familiar with the story, but um, they would terrorize towns. Yeah. So it's like putting a child vampire in a film would be incredibly a taboo or breaks, you know, like vampire storytelling rules. Yeah, I guess there's two ways you can yeah. handle it. You can have them really violent and, you know, kind of exploit their innocence or or their kind of the look of the, and the age that they feel, or you can have this other other thing that we've seen in this one where they, they do have this kind of loneliness and innocence despite not, you know, their internal age not matching up to their their, <laughs> their, their body's age. Yeah, do you think they still like kids' things and they still think like children or do you think that that changes over time for, for Homer or for, you know? I don't know. Kirsten it's weird because when he saw her, he kind of like sparked up and like, it's weird. We'd seen him drink tequila and kill people and act like an adult and smoke earlier on in the film, but then he had this like he, he was a child again almost instantly in conversation yeah. with her. But when you really nail it down and, and think about it, like if he doesn't want a companion, maybe even it's sexual, like you're saying, a taboo type thing, really he's 150 years old and this person's eight or ten. Like when, when is it going to be acceptable for him to be, have a, a sexual companion when they're the dead? Never. never. <laughs> yeah. Like how old does he have to let that body internally get to, you know, like 20, 30, 40 years when they're, maybe they're mature because they've lived through this. It's really a taboo thing, but um, yeah, it was a bit bizarre. Yeah. And I guess you and see like that this... with um, let the right one in and yes. um, let me in uh, the American yeah. remake as well. And, and that kind of that loneliness and being a, a child vampire. Yeah. That may be sad. Mm. I do enjoy it. It's just really sad. Yeah, for sure. But like you said, um, for Homer, it's more of a, a suicide mission. Maybe he's yeah. just finally letting go of what he was and just saying, I don't want to be here anymore because that's, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. He was like, I was close. I was close. And then away. Yeah. It's not meant to be. So son, swallow me up. And Jesse and Diamondback also follow suit because their car, uh, their sun proofing has completely failed. And they kind of try to run Caleb and Sarah over, but they completely fuck it up and the car ends up blowing up. Mm. They get evaporated and explode in the sun as well. So that was also a suicide mission, but I think they'd kind of come to that point where they knew it was over. Yeah. Uh, later. <clears throat> I don't know if it's the next day or that afternoon, but May wakes up and her burns are all healed because obviously she got burnt carrying um, Sarah back to Caleb on her almost suicide mission. And um, 
um, she's been given a blood transfusion as well and basically cured. And at the end of the film, we see her and Caleb um, cuddling each other in the film roll credits. Mm. This is this is one of my favorite things as well. When she's um, reversed and she's kind of embracing him or he's embracing her, however you want to look at it, I guess she's to get more honorable, especially with what she says. She says, I'm afraid. And Caleb says, don't be. It's just the sun. As yeah. the sun, I'm like, oh, man. You're getting That's to nice. me. This is getting to me. <laughs> yeah, because at the start of the film, uh, when they first, when May first turns, Caleb, he asks how long it's been since she's been in the sun. Mm. And that's when we find out that it's been four years for her. Yes, that's it. That's it. And so it's kind of like a little nod to, hey, you don't have to not ever see the sun again. Yeah. Because oh, he asks great. if she misses it. Does and she? Does she say yes? I can't even remember if she says yes or she's like, it's been so long since I've seen her. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, it was kind of a vague answer like that. Like there was no definitive yes or no. So who knows? She might, what about if she doesn't even like the sun? <laughs> yeah, what if she's like me and an intro, like just stay inside and close all the blinds and play video games all day? She's like, thanks, Caleb. I was really enjoying my immortality. <laughs> you dick. Um, I got bitten at the ex- exact right age, Caleb. Like, you know, I was going to look super young and hot forever. forever? What have you, you done? Thanks a lot. <laughs> According to Catherine Bigelow, there was another ending considered considered for this film. So basically, um, Caleb's younger sister was meant to follow him and May into the sunlight and start burning. Oh, my God. That's dark as fuck. Which implies that she was actually bitten by Homer. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I hate so, that. But- yeah, that was meant to be like, I mean, like she could have eventually gotten a transfusion, but yeah, she was also meant to be burning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that was the kind of thing if they're they doing a remake or something. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> Although, like, I feel like CGI ruins a lot of vampire films for me. Yeah. I'll be honest, CGI ruins just a lot of films in, in general. Yeah. I think that's kind of too overused. Um, yeah. I had a conversation with my brother the other day and he was like, oh, you know, but CGI does this. And I was like, yeah, but it looks fake. And he's like, yeah, because it is fake. And I was like, yeah, but it looks fake. Yeah, it can't Don't take you out. <clears throat> Don't have an argument with a 13-year-old autistic kid because, like, you, you will lose. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it ends up in a cycle of that. It's about the immersion. <laughs> like, it can look yeah. fake, but if it's doing all the right things and you, you get lost in it, then, yeah, you probably won't nitpick it or whatever. But when it's noticeable and stuff then then it becomes kind of jarring a bit yeah i mean in horror films i'm i like a real great combination of practical effects and cgi to just to enhance it it doesn't have to completely take over what is happening i mean like things like thor and avengers they're meant to be fake and cgi that's fine i know those things won't exist without cgi but leave my horror movies alone Mm. so i guess we'd come to the end of it um yeah what did you actually make of the ending? Like, did you, do you like that? It's kind of this happy ending and everything goes yeah. kind of back to normal or do you, do you not like that? No, I do because it's really a big contrast compared to a lot of horror, like vampire films that I do watch where besides twilight, which I do love. So everyone shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've also read the books. I loved them. Anyway, um, come for me you can at me about that i saw twilight at the movies the first one so did i i saw yeah. ned went on a date to see the first one at the movies and he's just like oh my fucking god mine was actually an accident <laughs> to see that movie i didn't know what twilight was 
<laughs> and me and Kim went and saw it. I'm like, oh, I just read the blurb, like a vampire film. I'm like, oh, vampires oh. are back. Let's just go see this one because we go see movies every week. And we're in this line and it's a massive line. And then I'm like, why is this movie so popular? What is this? I'm like, oh, why no. is there so many young people in the line? Like this, a vampire is popular again? Like I haven't, I haven't really seen anything since Blade and the cinemas and we got in there and then as the movie starts progressing and going on, I start to realize what it is and I'm like, oh, no, oh. oh, no. And, oh. and Kim's kind of doing the same. Like, she, like she's hearing me like going, <sighs> like these ones in my seat. <laughs> and she she's she knows I'm not like super impressed. Like, oh, I thought this was going to be something different, um, which is, you know, all my fault. Um, and then she's kind of giving me the side eyes and she's kind of doing the same thing like, go like uh, i don't know what do you no nah, not really Let's, we'll just stay like what do you want to do I'm like yeah we'll just we'll just stay whatever i guess <laughs> i haven't actually seen any other twilight films i've only seen the first uh, one but i saw it in the movie so with <clears throat> equally terrible yeah it was just my expectation i had no expectation going in but i just didn't know it was going to be that <laughs> <laughs> so it completely blew your expectations out of the water That's right, really. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> But I've watched like three or four seasons of Vampire Diaries, so you know. I love Vampire Diaries. Mm, but I, I love it. I, I, had I to do prefer True Trump. Blood. So I've never seen. Yeah, it. I only got three or four seasons of Vampire Diaries in. Now my younger sister's upset. She loves it, mm. and I'm just like, oh, I want to get back into it, but it got overwhelming. Yeah, it got ridiculous. So. There was just too much info that I had to try and consume, and the same thing did happen with True Blood. I think <laughs> it got to season three or four and then there's like fairies and yep. there's like other stuff happening where i'm just like uh vampire, this is cool vampire diaries they get the ring they can walk in daylight now as well they kind of get rid of that mythos and then the other thing is but they had that anyway in the the start of vampire diaries yeah didn't they i yeah. think so yeah but the thing that really put me off is like the kind of i felt like the, the writing deteriorated where i was noticing all these really popular pop songs were being put over really dramatic scenes with because I guess that type of acting and that type of delivery for those types of actors, it wasn't really that that was more relying on the music to set the mo mood of what was happening and not the actual performance or the writing. And Do I, and you want to know who wrote the vampire diaries? Who's that? Or had a hand in directing and writing. Yeah, go on. Um, Kevin Williamson from the Scream really? series. Really? Maybe that's why I was interested for so long. Yeah. That makes sense. That's, and that's what a lot of people have said is that um, they really enjoyed it because of his creative input. So I loved the first couple of seasons and then I just lost track with what was happening. Because he was also had a hand in um, not just Dawson's Creek, which I yes. don't mind either <laughs> here and there, um, but also like I think it was The Following as well with Kevin Bacon. Oh, there was three yeah. seasons of that and I, I remember watching oh, like one and a half or two. I, I fell off at some point. I watched point. the first two seasons yeah. and fell off. But I really that liked the awesome. first season of that, so... That was something that I just hadn't seen before. Yeah. Like having a cult and then it's based on Edgar Allan Poe and I'm mm. like, what? Yep. This is amazing. It's like something I would have made up in my, like I would have dreamt about it in my sleep. It hit yeah. the cult buttons, it hit the gothic literature buttons, it hit true crime buttons, it hit that Irish guy that's really good looking that plays the cult leader <laughs> button. <laughs> the Kevin Bacon button. My, it hit my bacon button. Bacon button because I'm 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 a fan of Kevin Bacon so it's perfect. Yeah. Um. So yeah, vampires <laughs> near dark. So um, if you had to pick your top three vampire movies, what would they be? 
top three vampire movies, I'd say up there would be Let the Right One In. Um, as much as I love the remake as well, I think it, it does quite good. Um, Let the Right One In probably is up there. I would say maybe Bram Stoker's Dracula, the one with um, uh, Keanu Reeves and... Um, oh, my God. Why am I... I just remember Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, and just he's he's <laughs> acting and how just bizarre it is. Um, he's yeah. so weird. Yes, he's a weird guy. Um, Winona Ryder and oh, who was the vampire? Fucking Gary Oldman, of course. Oh yes. Yeah. Um. So they're probably two on, he, ones that are quite crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy hair in it. Um. So those are those two are high. Um. And then maybe. I don't know, maybe Interview with a Vampire I really like, but probably... Oh, man, this is too... This is, this is, just, too, this is just too tough to pick um, favorite vampires. <laughs> I would honestly... I don't know if this is top three, but I would definitely think much higher of this now after seeing, seeing it for the first time last year and, and revisiting it again, um, how it kind of has this unique blend of the two genres. So Near Dark would yeah. definitely... You know, without kind of going through and watching all the other vampire movies that exist, I reckon it would be I would be pretty close to top top ten, surely. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of other stuff that could bump it out uh, if if and do if and when I ever watch that. But I really rate this. But as top three, it's 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 a bit hard. But yeah, for sure. Bram Stoker's Dracula, let the right one in, and then maybe Interview with the Vampire. I I really do like Blade One just for a bit of like pulp and that that nightclub scene at the start where oh, the, the blood bar the blood bath yes. kicks in that's just one of my favorite vampire scenes as, as a bit of a, a carnage and wreckage yeah mine's definitely from dust till dawn yes uh blade the first and queen of the damned queen of the damned i see i haven't seen queen of the damned i should yeah oh my lord which well, is also it is an anne rice novel so uh check it out and i think that's another thing we have kind of like should touch over quickly near dark soundtrack i think is just oh, yes. fantastic from tangerine dream um it's yeah. really moody um synthy, very western very westerns a few like uh tracks on the soundtrack that are like they've got this really cool guitar kind of electro guitar riffs and stuff but um it's fantastic i put the soundtrack on the other night when i went to sleep and it's a bit of a bit of a bit of zen for i know me. i just gave you a weird look and i, I really shouldn't be like that considering what I fall asleep watching. Uh, <laughs> the last few nights it's been Night Stalker, the story about Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Why do I not have nightmares? <laughs> but yeah, the soundtrack was fantastic. So, yeah, um, it was really well. It was I mean, one of my like, favourite parts of it. Yeah, I enjoyed... I just It just hit a real nice aesthetic for me. Mm. Like, I think they filmed for 40-something days and a majority of it was night shots. Yep. And... Even just the way that even in 1980-whatever they were filming in, um, it was just filmed really well even though it was night. Yep. And not a lot of films in the 80s could do that. So mm, There's some great shots in this. Like the there's a, you know, when the sun setting and the sun rising, um, there's some great shots and they're going to get that like orange hue over the horizon. Beautiful. Um, yeah, there's this fantastic stuff in this. Morgan. Yeah. What would you give uh, it out of 10? What would I give this out of 10? Uh, I think I gave it a 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So I guess that equates to an, an 8 out of 10. Nice. That's yeah. a good rating. I think I gave it a, a 4 as well. Yeah. I just re-logged it this morning. 
So I was like, I think I braided it this time. Yeah. <laughs> on the wagon train yeah love it letterbox yeah i really keeping, I've been keeping letterbox. me accountable yeah oh i have a 40 35 or 40 movie pledge list for this year and i've already watched five movies on it so that's awesome you're killing it i'm pretty happy about that yeah that's cool uh, all right so before we wrap up where what is the last horror movie you watched Oh, last horror movie I watched. Well, thanks to Letterboxd, I can actually go back and uh, tell you that. Oh my god, I know what it is. It's it's Mandy with Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's. I think I've put that on my list to watch this year because I'm. So, I've been meaning to watch it. I only just recently watched Color of uh, Color Out of Space. Yes, yeah, I will like, watch that. Now I have to see Mandy because Nicolas Cage has a new horror movie coming up. Um, called. Let me just find out. Sorry. Um coming out this year it is called what excuse me why don't you have the information for uh it's called willing wonderland ah yeah and it's about a guy who basically pulls up at a service station slash place full of animatronic animals and his car's broken and in exchange for his car being completely repaired he has to spend a night at willie's wonderland and basically, he is meant to be a sacrifice for a cult. Wow. And that's why he was lured there. It also stars uh, Christian Del Grosso, who is my favorite YouTuber. Uh, it's his first, it's his debut role. So I am really keen on this. Nicolas Cage does fantastic horror films. And anyone who thinks otherwise or says otherwise can come fight me. Yeah, you should watch Mandy. Like the first half of Mandy yeah. is kind of like this really psychedelic drug trip and yeah, it can be a bit pretentious and up its own ass. Um, but I feel like the payoff for the second half with, I guess, the events of the film and what happened and how, like, just batshit crazy it gets, <laughs> gets yeah. after that. Um, yeah, I was just, like, watching it with the group and having some drinks and, like, one of our nice. movie nights. And, yeah, the, the second half, it was just teeing off and we, we were just loving every bit of it. So. Yeah, I feel like Elijah Wood was a producer for that one. Uh, Spectavision, I think, wow. maybe Spectre did the um distribution like were the production company i'm not too sure um but i remember listening to a podcast that elijah wood does called something visits fuck i can't remember it's really great um and they talk about mandy and the role that spec division plays in horror movies so they're kind of like a competitor to blumhouse yeah cool because he he was in green room right elijah wood haven't seen that yet but oh, everyone's man. been talking about it lately and i'm like oh, you, you, you okay. should watch green room green room especially especially as like um i guess a, a rock fan as well yeah one of my friends oh, told me this time last year that he watched it hmm. i was like okay i'll watch it there you go. you've watched five <laughs> movies off your list now you've added two more yeah, i'm just saying <laughs> just added mandy and green room uh, the never ending <laughs> well um thank you so much for joining me once again to talk about my favorite horror genre besides slashes actually i think vampire and slasher are like on the same level and that's it yeah kind of um where can we find you on social media if you, you can... want to be found yeah. <laughs> i don't want to be found at all um yeah, don't look for me unless you can give me eternal life in the form of vampir- vampirism. Uh, you can find me over on at, uh, Twitter at BuddyWatson12. You can also find my um, podcast at Radio Watson 
underscore on Twitter as well. And you can also find Radio Watson on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, all good podcast services. Like I said, it's a kind of an eclectic mix between movies, games, um, a lot of music stuff as well. And every now and then I do some wrestling stuff if that's uh, in, in your kind of wheelhouse like it is for me. Um, but yeah, I have a variety of guests on. And uh, yeah, hopefully this year I'll be able to watch enough vampire movies and and uh, where we can come on and I guess jump into more of the tropes and stuff we do like and don't like about vampire movies, which would be, I think, a lot of fun. That's my project for the year. The list of like is definitely longer than the list of don't like. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Great. So don't forget that you can find TGIF on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGIF pod. If you love the podcast, uh, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review um, on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. You've been listening to TGIF. Until next time.